Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Western Australia's back on the calendar. Queensland Raceways getting resurfaced and we look at the Members Pass. It's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The Western Australian Government has committed $10.5 million to upgrade the Barbagillo Raceway, which has paved the return of the V8 supercars to the Western track for another five years. The decision, which was announced by the Western Australian Premier Colin Barnett, will, when added to the $5 million already committed to the track improvements by the Government and the Western Australian Sports Car Club, will bring the refurbishment total to $15.5 million. With the renovations planned in two stages. Stage one will see the track and pit safety upgrades carried out, while stage two will have the race control, administration, medical facilities upgraded along with the communications infrastructure. The five-year deal for V8 supercars will start next year with three 120-kilometre races with a decision still to be made if there'll be two or three qualifying sessions and if sprint tyres will be used for these races. Talking of upgrades, Queensland Raceway will resurface in early 2011. The plan to remove the bumps which drivers have been increasingly complaining about over the past years will see the track closed over Christmas New Year. This could see Queensland-based teams looking for a new test circuit in the lead-up to the new season. Tony D'Alberto is planning to use his final two testing days in the build-up to the Enduros. D'Alberto's team has not been conducting drive days over the break and is looking at back-to-back tests to prepare for the Enduros. Shane Price will be looking forward to some serious seat time as he gets ready for his first V8 race of the season. Triple F Racing has a new sponsor for their car for the rest of the year. It's longtime supporter Bing Lee stepping up to a major role with the team. Over the past weeks, we've talked about V8 Supercar team memberships. Well, V8 Supercars Australia has announced that they will be trialling a discounted membership ticket at Phillip Island this year. Members of the V8 Supercar teams will receive discounts through Ticketek, with a three-day pass for general admissions discounted by up to $15. An adult's three-day pass, $70 is the team price, $80 is the pre-purchase price from Ticketek and it's $85 at the gate. For a concession, it's $52.50 at the team price, pre-purchase $60 and at the gate, $65. If the trial is deemed successful, it will be expanded into season 2011. The Kelly Brothers has used the winter break to go to the US and look at their sponsor's factory in Lynchburg, Tennessee. 
They also caught up with former V8 supercar rival Marcus Angbros at Watkins Glen. Luke Gilden's taking on an interesting turn for his new sponsorship, linking with Lukey Mufflers. Luke is taking on the next name, Lukey. Lukey Mufflers, Len Lukey, who has started the company, had a long history with Phillip Island, purchasing the track in 1964 for $40,000. Back then, it was a huge amount of money. The track was then opened in September 1967. Len Lukey passed away in 1978. He still owned the circuit. It was purchased from his estate in 1984 for $800,000. And that, of course, then saw it become an international standard Grand Prix circuit. And, of course, Luke Yildon teams up with Frosty Winterbottom in this year's Enduros. We'll see how many people get onto the Lukey Yulden bandwagon. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Mark Fogarty and John Bannon will be along. I hope you stay with us. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, well, it's two guys that go harder than Mark Latham at the Prime Minister when it comes to motorsport. And, of course, the first is Mark Fogarty. Good evening, Mark. Hey there, Craig. Well, unfortunately, the PM, Julie Gillard, is not a motorsport fan. She's an AFL fan, a big fan of the uh, Western Bulldogs, of course. And John Bannon, also from Auto Action. It's a, it's an Auto Action night. It is, and uh, thanks for having me on board, Craig. Well, it's an interesting time because uh, after, well, after a lot of speculation, no real surprise, Western Australia's back on the calendar. And uh, with $15.5 million going into Barbagello, folks, you'd expect a, a pretty good revamp. You'd think so, wouldn't you? It's a fair amount of money to spend, even though... Doing anything at a racetrack these days seems to be uh, very expensive. You're talking, you know, millions just before you even begin uh, turning over any soil or tarmac or anything. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the, you know, artist impressions, if you like, or, um, you know, computer renderings of what the place is going to look like. Uh, fixing up the pit paddock and the pit lane and all the other quirks over there will... Um, go a long way to keeping the teams happy and help with getting the fans back closer to the the action in the paddock and get closer under the new design I reckon uh, but hopefully they'll leave the track alone because the track is a great layout a good classic old layout uphill and down dale and um, you know with the sand that gets on it um, that mixes things up so um, it's it's good news of course it was always going to happen that we were going back to Barbagallo you know it was just a lot of sabre rattling and pressure on the government and the Western West Australian Sporting Car Club to uh, get them to cough up the dough. It's interesting, John, isn't it? Because uh, the series 
requires on a lot of Western Australian money. And uh, over the last few years with Garth Tander and uh, and uh, other Western Australians doing so well, they've really been a, a huge part of the championship, even if they don't necessarily have the highest profile events. Well, I think Fogues hit it on the head when he said that are always they were always going to go back to Perth. I think in terms of the V8 supercars wanting to be a truly national um, sport, uh, they need to head head to Perth uh, and have uh, regular races there. I mean, it's good from a media perspective. It's good from a branding perspective, as you said, with some drivers coming uh, from that neck of the woods. So I don't think there was ever much doubt. It was just all about the deal, and it seems uh, there's plenty of money on the table. So hopefully... uh, the event will be secure for some time and, it, you know, until at least 2015, apparently. So that's good news. And don't forget, guys, going back to Perth or being in Perth and in West, the Western Australian market was vital to a lot of the sponsors and a lot of the teams. A lot of the teams made a lot of money out of merchandising over there. Um, I know Triple Eight, you know, it was one of their biggest markets. For them, it's a big market for Vodafone. Um, some of the teams that have got backing from companies over in the West, um, it was very um, important that they got to be represented over there. So apart from the you know, the fact that the series needs to be and wants to be national, the teams were up in arms over this. And in fact, a few of them went over and did separate exercises to uh, keep faith with their sponsors and with some of the fans. Mm. Now, it's interesting with... Barbagello being one of the uh, few permanent road circuits, it seems, still on the calendar. And I guess if V8 Supercars wasn't going to permanent road circuits like Queensland, like Winton, like Barbagello and Simmons Plains, would it lose its relevance to motorsport, folks? Oh, of course. You need permanent tracks for the overall welfare of motorsport across the board, you know, if there are no permanent tracks well there are no grassroots and without grassroots it just doesn't grow to the top and there are also permanent tracks play an increasingly important role in society in being places where you know driver training can take place and also where you know guys and gals can go to do track days and you know blow off a bit of steam on the tracks rather than out on the road and in fact really if you've got any sort of performance car the only place you can really let loose in them now is on a track at a track day so they play that vital role in society um it's important in fact vital for motorsport to you know have these permanent venues and luckily the west australian government has always been in the position that they just weren't or the you know successive governments weren't interested in putting money into a per street race which is really what v8 supercars australia wanted they couldn't get that, so the next best thing was to um, cajole them into putting money into upgrading Barbagallo, which was the preferred plan because they did actually look at a government-funded um, new facility at a greenfield site um, in a different part or outside of Perth. Now, John, you do spend a lot of time not only covering uh, the races associated with V8s, but also at some of those uh, development series, and you, you get to see a few different levels of track. Well, there are a, a number of levels of, of track, Craig, you're certainly right, and you can even judge that even within the, the media centres and, and how different they are. But I think really the, the important thing for me here is that Western Australia is such a massive state and 
uh, to be able to get uh, sponsorship dollars for sponsors to be able to ex- expose themselves to, to that large area is really important. And uh, I think that V8 supercars needed to have a, a race there because other than the ACT, they're the, only, the only, only state that's missing out. So uh, I think for that reason alone, it's important to, to brand it in that particular way. Mm, we all know the ACT is the biggest failure of V8 supercars to date. Oh, we- I don't be like that. I'm a, a good Canberra boy. It's just uh, one of those things. Yes, winter in Canberra. It's perfect Would have been time. fine at the right time of year. Of course. Oh, well, been as good as a permanent circuit in that time, in the right time of year, in the nation's capital. Where, oh, uh, come on, Craig. They could benefit from the... That uh, street track was a great selling point in Canberra for V8 supercars. I mean, performing on a big stage right in front of Parliament House with that Parliament House in the background, I always thought that was a really good look. It just needed to be in a more temperate time of the year and, and the track itself needed some work, but there were apparently plans to you know widen it and fix it up, but... I think it would be a good thing and it should be revisited one day. Hopefully it will. The uh, Canberra residents were usually on, on the whole appalled by the whole thing, though, and, and didn't like it wrecking the uh, pristine landscape, so to speak, though, folks. But the biggest complaint, of course, was that people had to go three minutes more in the Canberra traffic to get to their parking spot uh, for <laughs> oh, four or like five days. We don't like to wait in, in Canberra for parking, that's for, that's for sure, or yeah. to wait in traffic. We need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We'll be back with plenty more right after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, folks, and John Bannon from Auto Action are my guests. And uh, guys, one thing that Canberra had, which is something that, uh, of course, Perth is going to have, is a three-race format. And folks... Interestingly enough, over the last few months on the show, we've had a number of uh, uh, journalists coming in on the show and saying that uh, really V8 Supercars has to look at the formats, this uh, one or two type of race format to fit all isn't working and they need to get more fit for purpose. Well, I just wish they'd make up their minds. It just seems to, in recent seasons, it's changed as they tinker and fiddle and, and meddle, um, you know, let's lock in what looks to be working. Um, three 120-kilometre races from next year at Barbagello. It sounds interesting, you know, in the main, if we're going to have a sprint round, as they're generically called, I think we should have sprint races and, you know, even 120 kilometres, or 100 is hardly a sprint, but, you know, it's better than droning on for 200 kilometres endlessly. So it appears sometimes. So yeah, it's a it's a good experiment. But you know, I really think we're getting to the point where we need to lock into some sort of more standardised formats. Um, it seems a lot of the time, 
the race distances and the number of races are just decided to come up with a cute name for the race so that you know someone could be a 400 or a 500 or a 300 you know just to fit some point of distinction because they want to be different rather than you know looking at the the bigger picture mm. and of course john we have seen the uh, triple challenge up there in the sky city triple challenge in darwin and uh, certainly this year, I can't remember last year, but certainly this year, there was only two races in the Triple Challenge. Yeah, the numbers don't quite stack up there, but I think I was chatting with uh, my auto action colleague Dylan Campbell about this this afternoon, and he sort of made the point to me that if you start introducing uh, more races uh, over the course of a weekend, then it does diminish uh, the actual, I guess, process of, of winning a race, and and uh, I, I guess the, res- the respect that, that goes with that amongst the, the V8 supercar paddock, maybe it's a way of getting more winners in there instead of seeing, uh, you know, Courtney and, and Win Cup winning all the, all the time. But maybe it also diminishes uh, th- that uh, r- race win in, in that uh, you're just adding, I guess, more chances for, for other people to, to get in there and have a go. And who knows what format would be, whether you'd have reverse grids and... I mean, none of that has been announced, so it'd be interesting, I guess, to see as to what the, the three races would uh, look like. Mm. Of course, with three races... uproar if they try and reintroduce reverse grid races in the main game. Mm. I guess the big thing, folks, is the fact that uh, with three races on the card, there's two race winners that you can ignore because it's still the Sunday race winner that is given the accolades for the most part. That's one way of looking at it. But, of course... We should be looking at it from the fans' perspective, and I would have thought that the fans would say, yeah, yeah, bring it on, you know. The more races, the better, mm. the more action. So Are people going to turn up on a Friday, though, do you think? Well, it, it, no one turns up on a Friday, really. But you're going to have what? A, you're either going to have a race on Saturday and two races on Sunday, or you're going to have two races on Saturday and a race on Sunday, depending on the football commitments with the scheduling. I, I think it's... Almost certainly it would be one race on, well, I would think one race on Saturday, two on Sunday to maximise the, the draw, uh, the pulling power of the event. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess any sort of permutation within that three races in three days is possible, but I'd be surprised if they ran a race on Friday. Mm. I actually think that would be a good idea. It makes Friday meaningful for a change, but that's an old argument and don't start me on that. Mm. Wait, you don't enjoy the Friday Grand Prix? Five hours of practice. <laughs> we no, need. We need no, the most tedious, pointless thing that they've ever done. Has no value. No, no story from the media. No, nothing. Well, there's an interesting dynamic that has been shifting back and forth over the last few years. But with the announcement now of wild cards coming into V8 supercars, I have to ask the question: Is a small team? Is there a, a place and a relevance for them in the championship, John? Well, there's a, there's a place, but if they want to make up the numbers. I mean, you only have to look at drivers this year like Tony Delberto and, and Dean Fiore who are doing an exceptional job, don't get me wrong, but while they're not in a factory outfit, they're not going to be winning races, and I think that's the bottom line. Folks? I don't really understand why this provision has been introduced. I, I don't know, are there small teams, outsiders banging on the door trying to get a start in the 
in the mainstream races. I mean, we you know, I understand the logic and the requirement to do it for the endurance races, particularly Bathurst. But uh, I'm a bit lost to to understand why there's suddenly or someone perceives there's a demand to run extra cars at the other events, um, particularly as you know, V8 supercars has a long-standing mandate to reduce the numbers. They want to get the field down to 28 cars. You know, they're still trying to work out a way how to get rid of this pesky 29th licence that, you know, just sticks to the sport like, you know, the proverbial stick to the bottom of your shoe when you stand in it. So it just seems a bit odd when they've got a mandate to reduce the number of racing entitlement contracts, in other words, licences and the number to 28, that they're... uh, Introducing a provision that um, you know some havergos can come in. Well, uh, I guess uh, we sort of skipped from is a small team still relevant to the wild card, folks. But uh, with the wild card, other than Marcus Ambrose, who would be a driver that would actually be of worth to V8 Supercars to be in the field? Not many. I, I struggle. Like Ambrose a- is the obvious one because he's a past champion and. He's got some profile in the sport and some knowledge of how to drive the cars. I guess you could say Scaife on the same on the same foot, even though he's not overseas or anything. But, uh, but yeah, but he's, isn't he supposed to be retired from all but the enduros, or is he going to start now? Well, wouldn't creeping he, his way back in? Wouldn't he like to race at the racetrack he designed at Sydney? Well, yeah, I, it's you, possible, I guess. But you know, independent board member just made sure he can get a drive think, there. You know, a Formula One driver or some really big star that wants to have a go, you know. Otherwise, you, you start then maybe undermining the um, Gold Coast Six Hundred and that, you know, mm. international co-driver distinction that it's got. Yeah, and and John, of course, the interesting thing with the wild card and the, the talk about that is that the fact that you could get rid of your twenty ninth car. And let's face it, the twenty nine racing entitlement contracts is only because they're splitting the the the. Uh, they're splitting the checks 30 ways, aren't they? They're splitting it V8 supercars and then 29 teams. You get it down to 28 and then V8 would make it the 29th split. You then would still be able to top up your grids. So you'd be able to have full-looking grids, but you'd have five or six cars that are, are, are running just to be out there and basically running for the sponsorship they can bring. Well, it all sounds a, a bit confusing in a way, Craig, and I'm sure it would um, be for the, the fans as, as well. I thought that one interesting point with this wild card was that teams would have to submit applications three months before events. How would they know three months beforehand if it's, if it's a wild card that's going to do a one-off event? I mean, do people really organise those sort of things that far um, in, a, in advance? And, and, it, and as you've mentioned, I mean... And, and folk touched on as well. How many cars could we end up with in this field? And and also rightly about the diminishing of the the Gold Coast uh, 600. I guess the only thing there is that some of the drivers might really enjoy the experience and say, Hey, can we hop in one of these cars again at a, at another time? And uh, because they've already formed relationships with those teams, that they'll be sure why not. I mean, the teams, the factory teams anyway, have the the spare cars lying around anyway that they can hop into so it wouldn't be a big deal from that perspective but it's just a matter of um, how that all works out with all the licensing and, and everything like you mentioned now for folks for, for sydney you have to have your license or you have to have your application in for a wild card by the end of august this year 
So that means even before you get to the Enduros, you're a team that has to nominate that you're going to put up an extra car for Sydney. That's uh, a, a pretty tough call, isn't it? Well, they do seem to be making it as difficult as possible on one hand and yet on the other hand encouraging it. But, I mean, you know, my view is, I guess, if it, if it involves one of the, you know, one of the existing teams, and particularly one of the bigger teams that wants to enter a, a proper car and they have the opportunity at some stage during the championship to run a big-name driver, as I said, like an Ambrose or... You know, a Formula One driver like Jensen Button who's got a spare weekend off and wants to have a holiday out here or something, or, you know, some someone who's a really big draw card, I can understand it, but I, I, th- I think I'd even draw the line at, 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 a, at a Mark Scaife, you know, not just because it's Scaifey, but, you know, just I think it should be quite selective, and um, I, I'm not sure that in outside of the Enduros that, you know, he would qualifies a special case but um, you know if it's a genuine big name and someone who's a draw card um, but you know I'm certainly not thinking I don't know even a top touring car driver from the British series or the world touring car championship you know sorry with the best will in the world that, that he's not going to put an extra anyone. bum on seat is he he's not going to put an extra ass on the seat and no. that's really what you would do this for to get not more people all. in the gate guys well, the, uh, cri- the criteria also allows for exceptional rising talent so does that mean someone like Mitch Evans gets a Guernsey in this particular instance well he what's he going to do in one race it's going to he's got no testing before he can get into the car what's he going to do in one race at a marquee event other than damage his brand well i agree entirely that's why i'm surprised it's in there mm. i guess there was One of those things. But, uh, folks, uh, we need to take a break. I've got a question for you before we go to the white flag flag lap and gas and go. But we'll take this break now and be back with the white flag lap and gas and go. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, the white flag lap now as we get set for gas and go in just a few minutes. But folks, one question for you. We have the wild card. We've got the opportunity to put someone in. I've got to nominate now for Sydney. I've got to have it ready by the end of this month. I'm Roland Dane or I'm Jim Beam, Adrian Burgess over there at Jim Beam Racing. We're in a dogfight. If I can get another car who's running for points but not for prize money in between me and my competitor, do I enter it? Probably not, not if you're fighting for the championship. But if that car can get in between your car and the second-place man in the championship, even if it's just for one race... Only if it's driven by someone good enough to get it there. Obviously. Which is highly unlikely, except for maybe Ambrose, yeah. You know, who else could you think that could just come in cold, jump into the car and be a factor, be up far enough to, to, to run interference in that scenario. I, sorry, can't think of anyone. I can think of Alan Simonson, but once again, he's not going to put an ass on a seat extra, and no. I love Alan Simonson. Simonson no, is... well, you're right. Sorry, he's capable, but again, it's, he's not a draw card, so that would just be a, a cynical use of the wildcard system, and, it would, and I doubt if it would, you know, would the, I rate Alan highly as a bloke and a driver, but I wouldn't have thought he'd qualify mm. under the provisions. But, it... but you know, it's a... 
I love a conspiracy. It's a viper's web. It's a viper's web. A viper's nest of, of, <coughs> of complication, isn't it? Unnecessary complication, I think. John, do you like the conspiracy, though? Oh, it creates a bit of interest, doesn't it? I mean, it's the same problem if you put someone like Steve Owen uh, in there. I mean, he's often criticised, I guess, for not having that, that personality of being larger than life that um, the, the, the sport requires. So once again, does it bring a draw card? And, you know, I think, folks, it's a nail on the head. When, who are you going to bring in? I mean, even if you brought, even if you say Jacques Villeneuve wanted to come in for and do one race, he's li- unlikely to be the guy who's going to be on the pace uh, from the word go, despite how talented a driver he is, uh, he's not used to racing these cars. So he's not going to be able to you know, put himself um, you know, in that position to, uh, to have an effect on the championship. Mm. It is. Why don't they just issue more wrecks and be done with it then? <laughs> more licences, you know. They'd make some money out of it. You know, they're, they're going for one and a half million a go, so... It's, it is money, a, money, big money-making opportunity there. It is an interesting problem indeed. Hey, it's Gas & Go time. Gas & Go is brought to you by the Forex Gold V8 Supercar Fan Survey. It is right in the middle of the throes of the Gas & Go survey. And uh, I thought we'd take the questions from the Gas uh, from the Forex Gold survey here. So, guys, I want you to tell me whether you strongly agree, neutral, or strongly disagree, you can even agree or disagree, on which of the following statements for 2009, so we're talking about this year so far. Folks, speed, is it a key part of the V8 supercar spectacle? Yes. John? Neutral. There is there too much emphasis on pit strategy and not enough placed on driver skill? Uh, neutral. <laughs> Fogues? Most definitely, way too much. Fogues, the racing, is it closer and more competitive than it was last season? Uh, not sure. Neutral. John? Oh, I'll be a bit interesting this time and say I strongly agree. The fact that we've got a battle for the, the championship makes all the difference to me. Yeah. All right. Now, the TV coverage. that's not the racing. That's the championship. Mm. Yeah, and the question was racing. Oh, fair enough then. <laughs> so you're <in> neutral. <laughs> The TV coverage, I don't know, do you guys get to watch much of the TV coverage when you're there? But in some respects, we see some of the TV coverage. We don't hear what's going on necessarily. But do you think it's improved what you have seen in 2009? Folks? Uh, In 2010. In 2010 from 2009, sorry. No. No, it hasn't. Too much, much, um, you know, in-talk, too much matey banter between... Crompo and Scafi and Larco. Sick of it. John? I, in fairness, I haven't watched much of the, the TV coverage, but in terms of what the fans think, they want to see more of it on, on the TV, whether that's realistic with the AFL commitments. I'm not sure, but that's certainly what the fans want. Okay, and finally, on Gas & Go, brought to you by the Forex Gold Fan Survey, should regulations that limit the development of technology... Work to the detriment of the sport, folks. Or Run will. Me again. Will regulations limited to the development of technology work to the detriment of the sport? Right. So you're saying if they put too many restrictions on the technical development through the rules, will that hamper the sport? Correct. Um, well, that's a tough call because, you know, it's, it's this argument between cost containment and um, engineering progress and development which has always been an innate part of motorsport I, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm veering on. I agree that it, it does um, restrict development. Yes, it does. I, I agree with the premise of that question. I think it probably restricts development, but sometimes that's necessary. I mean, you've got to have a sport as well, and if you can't afford to, to run the sport, then you don't have a sport. Well, that's gas and go for another week here on the V8 Insiders, brought to you by the Forex Gold V8 Supercar Fan Survey. You can jump online at the Forex Gold's V8 Supercar site, forexgoldv8supercar.com.au. We thank uh, both Fogues and John Bannon for your time here joining us on the V8 Insiders. Thanks, guys. My pleasure, Craig. See you later, John. Thanks very much, Craig. Nice talking to you, folks. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.